You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Amen, amen. Uh, let's, let's, give, let's, give a, let's give a shout of praise to our worship team who always sets the atmosphere for us and, and gets us uh, prepared to come before the Lord. So good morning, One Church. It's always, it's always a pleasure to be in front of you, especially when you're just maybe a, uh, a, a fill-in because it's, it's the twins' birthday this week, and they were partying hard, and, uh, and the pastor ain't had time to prepare a sermon, so he, so he says, hey, can you preach? I, I'm, I'm checking the tape. What happened last year? And someone preached during your birthday week. <laughs> I, I'm seeing the pattern here, man. I'm seeing the pattern. Uh, but uh, no, I've always liked the opportunity to to come before the church. Uh, so we're uh, starting a series on um, spiritual warfare, and yeah, woo! All right, that's all right. That's excited. Okay, we got some warriors out there. Uh, amen. Um, I gave the uh, control booth, that booth in the back that uh, that does everything per Scott, right? Um, if they could put that picture up, um, is it is it up? Okay. Oh, yeah. We, there we go. There we go. I, I want this. I want this to marinate in your uh, your spirit as as we be go through this uh, this 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 sermon series. Uh, and as I speak, um, uh, it's funny. I, I see the person laughing, and they sent me this about a week and a half ago, and I was like, man, they're, they're this right here. You know, we're uh, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and uh, we have as believers, we have some promises. And we have some short, uh, uh, things that are sure in our walk. Uh, what, what I mean by that is we know that the thing we could be sure of, that God loves us. We know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We know that there's promises for those that believe. Um, but there's another thing that we can be sure of is that we, as believers, I mean, non-believers too, we will encounter spiritual warfare. That, that's, that's a sure thing. I mean, there's no, there's no running away around that. That's what it is. And, and in that, I just want us to see that, you know, we, have, we, we see Jesus a lot of times as the peace and loving Jesus, or we say that hippie Jesus, or, or that Jesus that, that'll heal us. And we have that Jesus that's a, a Bruce Banner Jesus. But uh, if you see that picture, we have a, an incredible Hulk Jesus. Uh, you know, a lot of times we don't operate like that. There's an incredible Hulk Jesus in there that's ready to Hulk smash on the enemy that comes on that battle line right there. You know, there's a line in the sand. It's like Jesus bending down when those, when those Pharisees about to throw the stone. There's the battle line right here. What's going to happen? No fear that they're going to throw the stone because he know. That's, that's the Jesus we got in there. And I want, I want us to, to, as we go through this sermon series, I go through my sermon that you remember, that's in you. Because... Like I said, one thing for sure, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. So, so that's there. But when you look at that picture, what you remember, man, is though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So my, my war is not with that person that's coming against me. My war is not with the systems of this world. That's not, my, that's not where my war is. That's what's behind that. And then what, the, what it says the next verse it says, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but divinely powerful the destruction of fortresses. fortresses. And the only way we're going to put out on fortresses is we get that big, bulky Jesus that's inside of us that wants to flip tables and understand that's the power and authority that we walk in. So, so our prayer by the end of this sermon series is that, that we operate, we live in the confidence that this picture of Christ is living inside of us. Not our strength, but, but his strength. Because if for one minute we think we can go deeper in our relationship with Christ, think we become, become more intimate with our Lord, think we can go and make disciples, think we can heal the sick, think we can cast out demons, think we can go into communities and preach the gospel, think we can start a revival without or, particip- or participating in spiritual warfare, we're sadly mistaken. Satan and his army want nothing more than to keep us on the sideline for us to remain shallow Christians. They are okay with us playing church rather than being the capital C church. And when we ignore the truth that there is a Satan and that there are powers and principalities and ignoring that they are doing everything they can to keep us captive and from walking in the power and authority we were created and called us to be, they're okay with that. 
We need to understand the spiritual warfare we face and how to combat it. That's imperative, not only for our individual uh, lives and walks, but also filling, filling the Great Commission, you know, which is the pulling down of strongholds on our family members, our friends and communities, and leading them to the one who can truly set them free. Yes. To the victor goes the spoils. Victory and the spoils do not come without a fight or warfare. We have an adversary who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and God is counting on us to stand up to the enemy and do his will and accomplish his work. So with that in mind, our focal scripture today will be out of Luke uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to tell you, if, if you guys don't have a Lindy who can prepare the way for your scripture, your sermon, man, you know what you're missing, man. She hit on like 10 topics that I'm going to talk about right now. I could just go sit down. Uh, but... But that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the greatness of God. No, he, he makes sure he prepares a way for, for his word to come forth. So uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness uh, for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him and said, it was written, man shall not live on bread alone. And he led him up and showed him a a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all the domain of its and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall be yours. Jesus answered him and said, it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him and said to him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, of the, of the Spirit and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. With that uh, scripture in mind, I want to talk to you today in regards to spiritual swordsmen. Lord, it's preaching time. Preach is not easy, but it is made easier by your Holy Spirit. So that I ask that I decrease and that you, and that you may increase. And in the end, you get all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we, we, we uh, talk about the, the full armor of God, the only offensive weapon mentioned in the armor of God is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We have all these de- defensive armors uh, for protection, but one offensive weapon. One of the ways the enemy attacks us is by subtly trying to twist the meaning of the word of God. You know, challenge, changing a word here or omitting a word there. And that can totally throw off our understanding of what God said. You know, it causes doubt, confusion, um, and our questioning of who we are and who God is. Just as God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, so is uh, Satan and his army. They're the same as well. He tricks and traps his tricks and traps are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. For the gar- from the garden to our focal scripture of, of Jesus in the wilderness and his attacks on us today. You know, scripture says, my people die for lack of knowledge, lack of desire to read the word, and not just read the word like our favorite novel, novel but to go deep in it, to study it, to meditate on it day and night, to eat, eat it like bread, that, like that bread that, that is every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. God commanded us to do many, commanded us many times throughout the Bible to, to, to do this, you know, for it will make us prosperous, is what the Bible said. All the while, the enemy is sitting back laughing at us, fake, lukewarm Christians. You know, all talk, no action, all bark, no bite. You know, the busyness of our days, you know, and, and things of the world keeping us from reading and meditating on the word. So the enemy whispers in our ears, he says, surely you will not die. Then he'll say, I thought God loved you. Why are you still walking around and around in the desert? You can't catch a break. Your light bill passed due, your rent passed due, your car note passed due. I thought he would open up the windows of heaven for you. No one likes you. You're ugly. I mean, those are all the things that the enemy will whisper to us throughout, throughout our lives. And because we don't know the word of God and his promises to us, 
who, who we are in him, the power and authority we have, we succumb to the wind and the waves of the spiritual uh, warfare the enemy attacks us with, and we stay defeated. We retreat to the vices of the world, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, and worse, to the condemnation that the word says there is none in Christ Jesus. So when I read the word of God, I always ask him, ask the Holy Spirit, uh, is, uh, show me, let the words that are of importance pop out to me, like jump out out of the page to me, you know. So when they do, I go to a concordance, right, and look up the word in the Hebrew or Greek, depending on which uh, Old or New Testament. And so there will be a number of words I mentioned today where I'll speak of the meaning in the Greek. And it's a good way to see what God is truly, truly saying in a particular scripture or passage. So when I read the word in the armor of God, a sword jumped out at me, right? So, so I looked it up. And in the Greek, it's, it's uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. It just means short sword or dagger. I was like, I mean, when you, see, when you see the pictures of the armor of God, you see a big sword. It's always this huge sword. But in the Greek, the meaning is a short sword or a dagger. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a swordsman. Uh, so let me, what, what's, that, what is, what's the use of a dagger? What's the pros and cons of using a smaller sword or a dagger? So, so I looked at it and said, it's an offensive weapon. It allows us to be more agile, one that we can easily thrust or stab. So now we can move. We ain't laboring. And it's something that we can move around, you know. So, like, so, when it, so it tells me that the warfare is close in proximity. Come on now. So, so we think this, this spiritual warfare is not something far away. It's not, it's not miles away. No, the enemy is coming to your place right now, to your domain, to wherever you, where you stay at. And he's ready to fight. And he's bringing the battle to you. So, so if the enemy, so since I had this dagger, the enemy comes behind me and says, whispers in my ear, I can just go like this, get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? Or I said, I said, I'm the head, not the tail. You know what I mean? So, so I can move, but no, hold up. But look, man, there was one thing that caught my attention and it was said that daggers do, do have a lower attacking power and are more dependent on the power of the user. Don't miss that. The attacking power of our short sword or dagger is dependent on the power of us. So scripture says the word is spirit, which is the word of God. So the sword is spirit, which is the word of God. So the more word I know, the more I meditate on it, the more I study it, the more I pray it, the more powerful, the more powerful my attack against the enemy will be. If we are continually moved by the wind and the waves in our lives, then I think we may need to assess our time in the word. And not only our time in the Word, but how seriously are we taking our time in the Word? How important is it to us? Do we want to just read the Word or do we want to become like the Word? We can't be walking around and around in the wilderness like, God, where are you? And he's sending us manna from heaven and we're not accepting it. You know what I mean? We're not receiving it. We're not letting it sustain us. We're not letting it strengthen us. Man doesn't live off bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Um, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, uh, so let's get into focal scripture real quick, all right? So what we see in Luke chapter 4, verses 1, 14, we see Jesus, the word, the second Adam, doing what the first Adam failed to do. Jesus picked up his sword and used the word of God to resist Satan and make him flee. Jesus was baptizing, he was baptizing the Jordan River. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led him right into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. No food, and when he became hungry, the devil attacked him. At Jesus' weak, weakest fleshly moment, and, and trying to defeat Jesus by the things that are not of the Father, which are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things that trip us up in our weakest moment. When we partake in the things of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, we're susceptible to the enemy's uh, traps. These are the moments the enemy will pounce with all his might. In this moment, as 100% man, Jesus could truly be tested. He had to know our temptations if he was to help us through them, as the Scripture states. You know, he must first bind a strong man if he is to afterwards spoil his house. And that's just what uh, Jesus did, the enemy. So the first temptation I want to talk about, it was in the scripture, is that Jesus was tempted to distrust God. Satan and his army know from experience that, that of their victory, most of their victories come from those that appeal to the needs and appetites of our flesh. Satan knew Jesus was hungry, so he started with the weakness of the flesh. 
the enemy started off his questions by speaking to the authority of Jesus' position, if thou art the son of God. He knew, he knew uh, Jesus was just baptized and God came out of heaven and was like, uh, my son who I'm well pleased, you know? So at his baptism. And understand that we are his sons and daughters as well. We're co-heirs. We're grafted in. So the enemy will say the same thing to you. Um, so Satan said, you're the son of God. Surely you can turn the stone, stone into bread. But Jesus starts his answer with, it is written, man, right? So I, I want to deal with the man first. I mean, those, those, it is written and man are, are two very important things here. First, I'll deal with the man first. The man, the man statement, by stating man, he is resisting of the devil's suggestion. Jesus did not remove his humanness. He took on for our sakes, accepting the commandments we live under his condition. So in that moment, Jesus was saying, I'm still you. I'm like man. I'm not going to just pull my authority as God on this. No, I'm going to show you how to walk this thing out as man. He, he showed that he can relate to us in that. And he didn't take it off. He, no, he said, I, I'm, I'm under the same commandments that you guys are under too. Now, for the it, it is written part of the response, this is important. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. But we know in the Matthew part, he adds, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. In this statement, Jesus not only not said, not only do I have the written word, but I also have that rhema word, that spoken now word from God, that, that word that every, that, that, that every word proceeded out of the mouth of God. Proceedeth is, is, is right now. It's a verb. It's coming. So the written word is there, you know, but he, he, he said, I get this rhema word too. I got both. I got both, right? That, and, that, and that's what sets us apart from the enemy. And gives us a leg up. Jesus is telling us we need to have that relationship with God where we hear a right now word from God as well. But we can't live just off the written word. Hebrews 4.12 reminds us the word is alive and active. If we only have the written word, then we become like the Pharisees and Sadducees. All written word with no intimate relation with God. Where he speaks out to Jesus. Jesus was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. It tells us that bread... Written word is not only thing that keeping us in life, but God can feed us with the rhema word now as well as he will. He will provide, just like he did for Israel in the wilderness, who received fresh manna every day, fresh word from God, fresh bread from God every day. By, by his divine will, he will provide. All things are added for those who seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. But if you don't know these promises in the word and hear from the Holy Spirit, then you'll be operating by your own might and in your own strength. This example in God's word in the temptation of the word teaches us how, how innocent and necessary wants are the levers the devil will pull to overtake our souls. God's providence and sustenance is what is best for us, not our own, which is shaped by the world and our flesh. So we see the uh, second, second temptation, and that temptation was to tempt Jesus to obtain his dominion by false means. Satan was going to try a subtler way. He said, I ain't giving up. You know, I, I'm at a disadvantage, but I'm going to keep going. So where he couldn't get him by his flesh, he, said, he decided to set his sights on the lust of the eyes. Where the flesh or sense fails, ambition may succeed. Come on now, church. Satan said, I'm going to set my trap on Jesus' relation to the world. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, I'll give you these and their glory, for they are mine to do whatever I want with, which is true. I mean, remember that. Not only is he the father of lies, but he's also the prince of the world. He said, I'll give you these and their glory, for they are mine to do whatever with. You know, so look at, the, look at this world with the violence, the crime, the hate and oppression, how many kingdoms have been built upon those pillars, and how freely without fear they operate even in the midst of the believers. Come on now. Satan, Satan was trying to play on Jesus' desire to fulfill his purpose of becoming king of the world. He was like, I'll give you all that you know, all this now without the sacrifice and other stuff. Just worship me. Isn't that some of us? Can some of us say we've been tempted like that? I know I have. To gain and accomplish good things by, by questionable means? God told us, you will lead this. Or he says, you will get that promotion. Or that'll be your ministry. Or you'll get married one day, right? Then, then we start going through the process. 
the pruning, the sacrifice, the, the, the struggle, the delay waiting, you know, discouragement and disappointment sets in. Then the enemy comes right in. What'd he be like? Hey, look, look, look at elder so-and-so. They're over there cutting up. Look, watch them. See, I told you. Go tell the pastor. You know you're next in line. All right, come on. Or he'd be like, look. He'd be like, look, Billy Gossman about the supervisor. I bet if you, you tell, they will promote you to the, to the lead salesman on that account. Our desire to be on top in the limelight, our love of money, the way it cleans us up and presents us to society, are tools of the world that snares us into the enemy's traps.
often than not, we stay in the shallow. We like to stay on the surface of the word. When it comes to spiritual warfare, being a shallow Christian will get you knocked around and beat down. When you're at the beach, right, and you know you're sitting in the shallow, you know, when the waves come, it will push you back on the beach. And you're in the shallow, it pushes you back on the beach. Sometimes it'll flip you over, and if you're standing up, it'll even knock you down when you're in the shallow. But when you're a little further out, right, in the deep of the water, when the waves come, you can ride them. You just jump up like this, you know, and you keep on doing it. And you ride it as it passes, right? And the impact on you is less. And after it passes, there's calmness out in the deep. This illustration is us when we do not search the word versus those who do search the word. Nothing is shallow about the Holy Spirit. God is deep. Jesus is deep. The word is deep. The deep calls the deep. We're deep beings. Carrying the cross is deep. It requires deep training. Jesus is calling us to go deep. For there in the deep is where you obtain wisdom in the word and defeat the enemy that is trying to keep us from our purpose and fulfilling God's will. And we see this in Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm pulling out verses 3, 4, and 5 uh, for, us, for the purpose of this. So verse 3 says in Luke chapter 5, it says, And he, which is Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, we know as Peter, asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets uh, for a catch. Right? And then verse 5 says, let me try to turn up. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and, and let, let down the nets. Jesus was teaching and the crowds were pressing around him in the, in the scripture, right? So to better teach the large crowd, he, he seen Peter, I mean Simon, Peter, chose his boat and said, go out a little way. And Simon obliged. And, and Jesus was teaching from the boat in the shallow, right? So after he finished, Jesus said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let, down, let, that, let your nets down for a catch. First thing I want to say about this, Jesus is calling us to the deep water to cast our nets, right? Yes, we, we read this passage. We know what the end of this passage says, right? It says at the end, we will be, the result is being fisher of men. But there is something else out there in the deep water. Something else out there. Deep water in the Greek is bathos. It means depth. Now, this Greek word is used one other time in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 2.10. It says, for us, God revealed them. Them is the wisdom of God through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. What is the depths of God? And again, if you go in 1 Corinthians 2.10 and look at verses 6 through 9, if we look at those preceding verses, we see that depths of God is God's wisdom. It's a wisdom the world doesn't, it says the wisdom the world doesn't understand. Or, or, those, or those, for those who remain in shallow. Per the scripture, this, God, this God's wisdom is a mystery to the world but not to those who go to the deep. But those who hear and obey Jesus' command to go to deep water, the depths, where God's wisdom is and cast our nets, we will get a great quantity of it. Will we go to the place where the wisdom of God is unlocked? Go deep into our study of the word, searching it? Will we go beyond the obvious when we initially see, see it when we read in the word of God? Will we go beyond that? Like, uh, a couple weeks ago, Anna was up here, and she mentioned uh, the righteous fall seven times and, and get back up. I mean, great scripture. But if you go a little bit deeper in it, seven is the divine word of completion. Come on now. So what the scripture is saying is I'm going to keep falling until I complete that thing, until I overcome that thing. I keep getting up. I'm going to keep doing it seven times until it's, it's completed. God's not about halfway doing anything. He's saying, he said, you're going to keep falling. You're going to keep falling until you get it. Okay, that's simple. Or how about when the pastor preaches a word on Sunday and throughout the week you meditate on it and apply it to your life to see if it truly comes alive? That's going into the deep. And I'll give you a personal example. When 
uh, we all know I came from Pittsburgh. We moved down here three years ago. And we came down here. I, I just started beginning to believe God, submitting to God, um, and, and really, truly out living out what he called me to do, you know, preaching and teaching, things like that. Before, I'm like, I can't do that. So, but I started, and I was doing, we was doing good things. And God says, time to move. I'm like, oh, man, all right. So if you're going to tell me to move, you got to make sure you put me in a place around a, a group of people who rightly divide the word, who, who are all about your business, who are all about uh, uh, carrying out the Great Commission. So we moved down here 2019 for a year and a half. was just by myself, outside of my wife and my kids, just by myself. Uh, COVID happened, had no relationship with people. I work from home. I'm just going to my bed, to my desk, downstairs, back to bed, then my desk and downstairs. You know what I mean? So what happens? It was dry place, right? Sounds like it's a desolate place, a solitude place, all by myself, just me and my thoughts and the enemy. So he started whispering to me. I thought, I thought God said he would never leave you nor forsake you. Where's he at? I thought, I thought he said you, he had great things for you. I mean, you just sitting here doing nothing. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought you meant something to him. And I started believing it a little bit. I wasn't depressed, but I started getting discouraged for a year and a half. So now I'm not reading my word as much. I'm, I'm, I ain't got nobody to hold me accountable. So I'm watching TV all day, you know, I have a drink here or there, whatever, you know what I mean? Not doing the things I wasn't, was doing up in Pittsburgh. So eventually, you know the story, God got me to one church, you know what I mean? I come in, so I'm sitting here, I'm building relationships with people, people reaching out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm participating. But I'm still not walking in what God called me to do. I wasn't doing the things I was doing up there, but I'm participating. I'm not going to leadership saying, hey, yo, I preach you. Let me, let me preach you. I'm saying, I, I teach you. Let me teach I ain't do none of that. So, Ryan, it was October, right? And I noticed because the, what I'm about to say, the date on my paper I wrote was October 25th. So the day before that, Ryan preached on Habakkuk 2, right? He preached on that, and it was about waiting. And you know what that scripture says, record the vision it is yet for an appointed time. Hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come, it will not delay. That word hit me. Year and a half from down here, that word hit me. God was calling me out. Johnny, go to the deep with it. All right, so the next day I'm reading it, right? I'm going in, it says, record the vision. Okay, I got that for a point in time. It hastens toward the goal. All right, so it's going to come. Though it tarries. Hold up, now you're saying it's going to take a time. For it certainly will come and it will not delay. Come on, God, you confuse me. What it is? Just, just do what it says. Write the vision down. So I wrote four things on a piece of paper, right? Four things. A month later, October 25th, a month later, they said, hey, Johnny, hey, you want to help out and teach a couple classes? Boom, cool. Went to the deep. That was the first thing on my list. A month later, hey, I got an opening in March. You want to preach? Boom, second thing on my list. Four months going deep in God's word, listening to what he said, getting revelation on it, the written word and the revelation on it. God moved mountains and said, I didn't forget about you. The enemy was a liar. He was a liar in that desert season. God will do that. I still got a couple things on this thing come, but it says it'll come and won't delay. So it'll come again eventually. But what about this? We, we're, we're in a place where, where, I don't know about you, I don't know how many times I walked into a conversation at one church, and I was like, why did I walk into this conversation? <laughs> there are so many people here, you walk in conversation, you, you, you're like, I thought I knew the word, but they know the word, right? <laughs> so I remember one day I was walking through the halls, and the Holy Spirit tripped me. I tripped into this conversation with this person, right? I'm like, man. And so... So God was like, I mean, the person was like, he said, hey, I was driving to work. God put a, spirit, a word in my spirit. I had to pull over. I'm like, cool. What did he say? He said, he was talking about the, uh, the parable of the mustard seed, right? And um, let's see if I can turn to it real quick. So, have it. so the parable of the mustard seed. And I said, okay, yeah, I know that. I know, I know what you're talking about. He said, does a, and this person knows what I'm talking about. They know, they know what I'm talking about. He said, does a mustard seed grow into a tree or a plant? I'm not planting no mustard seed. I said it grows into a tree. The parable says a tree. He said, no, it grows into a plant. I'm like, oh, man. All right, cool. So, so I said, so all right, keep on going. He said, 
why, he said, why would Jesus say this here and say that something that was created to do something else grows into something else? How come this thing didn't grow into what it was created to do? And why would Jesus put this here in the scripture? I'm like, I don't know. With this person, you think you know the answer, but you're scared to say the answer because you don't want to be wrong. You know what I mean? Even when you know the answer, you say, you're like, man, I should have said it. I should have listened to the Holy Spirit. Right? So, <laughs> he's the first cracking. Uh, so, so, I'm like, I don't know. Tell me. Tell me. He said, no, just go look. He said, no. Just, basically, what he was saying, go to the deep. And, if, and if, if you, wherever you find, come back to me and talk about it. So, so we're around people who will push us into the deep. So I go and look at the scripture. I'm like, all right, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than the other seeds, but when it is full and grown, it is larger than the garden plants and become a tree so that the birds of the air come and the nest in its branches. I don't know. I, I couldn't see it. I just see what we always normally see, that I grow big, favor, you know, God, things, all that nature. But then the Holy Spirit would pull me to, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a scripture quoted in this scripture. The birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So I'm like, all right, look at the cross references. You see it in Ezekiel 17, Ezekiel 31, Daniel 4. You see that scripture. And in those scriptures of, about the birds of the air come and nest in its branches, it talks about a chosen tree, a cedar tree, right? And this tree grows up to be the biggest tree in the field, in the gardens. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, and, and everyone looks, and everything looks up to it. And the branches go from here to here. And the birds of the air rest in it. And, and all the animals uh, get shade and they provide sustenance. Then in each scripture, God comes and cuts the tree down. Whoa. I thought this tree was the, the, the chosen tree. It was the great tree. And then you see God raise up a dry tree, the dry tree, the desert tree. Now, why would Jesus say that here? I don't know. I don't want Ryan to get any calls about me, so I'm, I'm just going to stop there, right? <laughs> I'm going to stop there. Uh, no, it, it's, it's Jesus talking about something that's, that was created to grow into something else, but then went on its own way? Do we see a, a parallel to a Tower of Babel here? What, what I'll say is this, to try to bring it here and here. The problem with our society is not a growing presence of evil, but the growing absence of God's people. Evil's here, but what is God's people doing? What are we growing into? Are we growing and in, in, in operating who we were called to be or what the, what the world to be? Are we, or did we start out on a good path? Then the enemy in the world got to us and we're operating like we're not supposed to? I don't know. Just like I'm going to go to that person to talk to him about it and see what they say, come and talk to me about it, what you get from it. But that's going deep in God's word. That's how we defeat the enemy. You can't stay in the shallow and not search the scriptures like this and think that you're going to win. As the, the picture says, the battle line is drawn. Good, evil, which side are you on? And are you willing to stand on this line and defend it? Has to flee. Has to flee in the light. So as the worship team comes up, I took enough of your time. <clears throat> I'm going to say one more thing. We're called to preach the gospel, go make disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely as we receive, freely we give. Our motto at One Church is to seek one, serve one, send one. As we go out to do what Jesus commissioned us to do, not only will we encounter our own personal spiritual warfare, battles, but we also encounter an angry and determined enemy who does not want us to fulfill the commission given to us. That means in our call to seek one, serve one, and send one, we will be knee-deep in spiritual battles as well. But we must be united as one. As the Father and Jesus were, we need to be creating an army of spiritual warriors, trained and studied to go deep in the water of God's Word, equipped with God's promises for His people, understanding the weapons of our warfare, the power and authority we have to rebuke the wind and the waves, 
walk on water, step on the heads of serpents and scorpions, knowing love never fails, and that the enemy nor anything else cannot separate us from the love of God. Seek one. Hey, Simon, check it out. Put out the boat a little while. Serve one. Why, why are we out here sitting here and taking all this teaching, the foundation of the Word of God? Send one. Put out into the deep water. Get that wisdom of God, and while you're there, fish some men too. Seek one, serve one, send one is not only about leading others to Christ, but it's also about helping remove them from the grasp of the enemy, building them up, and creating, among other things, more spiritual warriors to take the fight to the darkness of this world and bring forth the light of God. So my prayer is, as we uh, go into this, the worship song and, we, and you leave today, I pray that, that God spoke something to you, that, 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 you, that, 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 that he, he's, he's, he's stirring it up in you, that, that you go deep into the word of God, that you, that you, that you that not just stay in the shallows, but seek it. Uh, not just not just the written word, but spend time with him to hear that rhema word, that, that word that, that God is still speaking today. Even though the, the word of all, he's still speaking on a day, he still has something for you, something for you that only you can do. But if you don't know the word, you're not going to hear him. That's how we determine whose voice we're listening to. And I'm going to just tell you this, because i got to speak truth here. If you're here and you, don't, and you haven't given your life to Christ, I'm telling you, you're at a disadvantage. The advantage for believers, those who, who believe in God, is that we have that big muscle Jesus behind us. And that doesn't mean if you haven't given your life to Christ that that big muscle Jesus doesn't want to be there for you, but you have to make that decision. You have to, end, to get to the end of yourself and the beginning of him. So, so if you don't know him, there's no special prayer you got to do. But if, if, if you want to know him, if you got questions about it, come speak to somebody. Speak to a pastor. Speak to a deacon. Speak to somebody you've built a relationship here and ask them to help you walk. And what does it mean to become into a, a relationship with Christ? What is required of me? And I'm telling you, what's required of you is not easy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Thank you for listening to audio from One Church. If you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is, visit onechurchnc.net. If you are local to our campus, plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net slash visit.